Looking good, looking good. Like you know we should. Looking good today. You're listening to the Iron Mike Keenan Podcast. We're the five going strong. We can do no wrong. We're looking good today. Episode number seven, Scott Morrison. Lucky seven. Lucky number seven, the coach, Iron Mike. And uh, the previous episode, we talked about... uh, the goalies in your career, in your coaching career, and uh, barely put a dent in the conversation. We talked about Philly, obviously, with Lindbergh and Hextall, Chicago with Balfour and Hoshik, and we got Hall of Famers there, Vezina Trophy winners, and Conn Smythe winners, a pretty good collection of goalies there, and the list keeps getting impressive. Uh, we go to New York, the one season you're there, 93-94, you win the Stanley Cup, and a pretty good tandem in Mike Richter and Glenn Healy. A very good tandem, and Mike Richter was given more work than than Glenn. But uh, interesting story about the acquisition of Glenn Healy. We were in the uh, uh, in the Ranger uh, 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 scouting room, and and we're bantering back and forth, and we say, "Well, who's going to back up Richter?" And and uh, Neil suggested a couple of goaltenders. This is no way. I said, uh, "We need Healy." Healy. Uh, can carry the freight if something happens to Michael. We we need the the depth there, and he and Neil says, "Well, he wants a million dollars." I said, "What do you care? It's not your money." And we got the million dollars to give it to him. So, uh, so he became the backup goalie and a very important part of our our team and a good team. I was t- tough on him because he was a a number one goalie in the island. Now he's in a backup role or more yeah, of a backup. Year, role. He knocked off Pittsburgh. He'll right, exactly. Pittsburgh. So. It was a tough, tough year for him, but a very important member of the team. Now, he and Richter kind of struggled. I know you have the conversations. You mentioned in the previous episode at the start of the year, talk to the goalies and say, here's the way I do it. Yes. And you're going to get pulled some nights. You're going to play a lot of games. Uh, but those two, it bothered them at times. I think it did, but uh, – um uh, they were different. Uh, for example, uh, we had goaltending coach Bernie Perron. We had goaltending coach uh, Vlad uh, Treciak. And she, so I went to Mike. I said, you want a uh, Richter? I said, you want a, a goaltending? He says, he says, no way. I don't want a goaltending coach. Just leave me alone. So uh, he had to learn and did learn quite a bit that year in terms of handling the puck, moving the puck, puck exchange. Your, your offense begins the minute your goaltender has possession of the puck, your offense begins. He's got to make a decision, a puck exchange with the defenseman or move it up or around the boards, whatever the case might be. So that was part of the process. And then uh, they were both pretty competitive, though, and both wanted the job. And I remember one story with uh, my assistant coaches, uh, Coley Campbell and Dick Todd, and and this actually was filmed uh, sort of unbeknownst to us uh, well, I was asking them, who do you want in net tonight? And and Dick says, I want Healy. And I said, Coley, who do you want in net tonight? And he says, Healy. And I says, oh, great. That's unanimous. It's it's Richter. <laughs> so they were voted three to two by me. Well, <laughs> so Heels likes but, to tell a Mike Keenan story. Okay. Is, I guess a couple times he, he mentioned that um, – when he get pulled, that he'd give it to you on the bench yeah. some nights, give you an earful, and that you and he met in the off in your office for a conversation, and you said to him, Glenn, like, what's the difference between Al Arbor and me? Yeah, and he said four Stanley Cups. Yeah, 
<laughs> exactly. But we answered the bell at the end of the of that season then. And uh he he was very competitive, so as you know, some of the goaltending uh kind of modus operandi I use, I explained it why I did it, but sometimes I pulled them and they, they weren't very happy campers, so uh, I, it's just something I had to expect, and and I didn't it didn't bother me if they were if they were upset. I, I expect them to be upset. Yeah, better reaction probably. Right. And I remember talking to Richter. Uh, I guess it was Game Six in that Jersey series. Yes. You know, Messier's guaranteed win and all yep. that. Um, you're down, and I think you fell behind two nothing in that game. He thought he was going to get pulled, but then he stood on his head. He was unbelievable, and he did think he was. I was going to pull him. And at that point, uh, again, why you make decisions and the timing of it. And I said, no, this guy has put us here. He's staying in the net. And I think maybe the team expected me to pull him. And when I didn't, it kind of boosted them a bit. And certainly boosted his confidence because he did save us in the first period. He was outstanding. They were outplaying us badly. And then he'd give us a chance to get stabilized, to regroup and come back and as you know the rest is history we win the game win the, the series but uh, Michael was unreal Michael also was unreal in the finals when he stops Pavel Burry unbelievable on a penalty shot on a penalty shot did the that splits was, unbelievable yes like a gymnastic exactly and uh, uh, Pavel had him beat and for some I don't know how he did it but he got his leg out as you said without busting himself yeah. doing it. And, it hurt and, watching it. And, <laughs> yeah, it did. And uh, that was a unbelievable boost. I can remember the whole team just jumping up and up and down on the bench when he made the save. So, uh, uh, you know, these goaltenders, uh, it's a tough job, and and I probably made it tougher for them. So we move on to St. Louis, and uh, another Hall of Famer. Uh, you've got Grant Fuhrer. Who was later in his career? Yes, I'll, that's a good story. I mean, Curtis Joseph played for for us and was a very popular player. Again, another trade is very unpopular. I don't know why uh, I put myself in that position all the time, but it happened. And uh, by the way, then I bring Curtis. We'll go down the road a little bit back to Calgary uh, to back up Kippersoff, but. Uh, how this uh, Grant Fuhr story Bobby Barry and I are sitting in New York on an outdoor cafe he's your assistant coach Bobby Barry is assistant coach one of them and uh, Roger Nielsen was at the time as well and then uh, we had uh, Jimmy Roberts too but Bobby and I are sitting uh, God bless Jimmy and Roger and uh, this car goes by almost by and puts on the brake we look at the car stop, and we're looking at notes. Jumps this young guy. We're looking at it. It's Wayne Gretzky. So Wayne says, "How long are you guys going to be sitting here?" I said, "I don't know. How long is it going to be before you get back?" He said, "One hour." I said, "We'll be here." So he come back, and then he brings Janet, and we sit at the outdoor cafe, having a coffee and shooting the breeze, having lunch. And I don't know why we're in New York. We're doing something hockey related. Bobby and I, uh, and so we start discussing like, what are you gonna do? What are we gonna do for a goalie? Uh, do you have any ideas 
this is to Wayne. And Janet pipes up and says, I've got a goalie for you. I said, who is he? He said, Grad Fear. I said, Grad Fear? He says, yeah, why don't you go get Grant? I said, great idea, I haven't got it. So I went and got Grant. And you had and, him in a Canada Cup? And I had him in Canada Cup. Nobody thought he could play anymore. And he ends up playing many more seasons. And in that particular time he was with me, he played more games than anyone in the league. Well, 95-96, he played 79, appeared in 79 games. Exactly. 96-97, he appeared in 73 games. So you didn't like the backup? I didn't like the backups there at all. So, so I said, Grant, you just get rested and play the games. If you want to practice or don't, it's up to you. If you don't, just let me know. We'll get a, a, somebody into practice and you go on golfing. So he did. And he ended up just playing all the games and he played unbelievable for us. So, uh, again, a, a great story about everybody thought he was done and Janet Gretzky pipes up, and next thing you know, his his uh, his career goes on for a few more years, and and uh, thankfully we're sitting in the outdoor cafe. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Good thing Wayne was paying Looking. attention. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we've mentioned it in in other podcasts, but it's worth mentioning again is that '96 playoffs, he suffers the knee injury. Yes. Uh, against Toronto, and uh, but you thought, and Wayne thought that that team, had he stayed healthy, I mean, he went seven games as it was with, with Detroit, Detroit, Yeah, that that team had the capabilities of being a champion. Wayne always said that, that uh, uh, and we had Brett Hall on, and he said it as well. He said, unfortunately, one year they had a great run, and in the, in the year that we won the President's Trophy in Chicago, and Curtis got hurt, and, couldn't, and they couldn't win the second round because they, had, they didn't have a number one goalie, and the same thing happened. Uh, again, God bless uh, uh, John Casey. He did as well as he could, but he wasn't Grant Fuhr. So there, there's always been that reference, and you know, who knows what would have happened. But we, we definitely would have had a chance to to uh, get to the finals. And and Eisman uh, shot the puck from the blue line in a double overtime, one nothing. Uh, can't get any closer than that. But uh, they had a full complement. Uh, with their team, and we were missing the one main ingredient, such a goalie. And was that a good goal? I mean, it was a bullet. Well, I can tell you what happened. Murray Barron lifted his leg. We call it the flamingo, and I think John lost sight of it because it went right under the leg where he lifted it up, so he didn't get hit in the shin, and uh, went right over his shoulder and into the net. So it was a blast, a blast from the distance, but it, it had some velocity. Yeah, no and right in the corner. Yep. Um, Vancouver, you had a truckload of goaltenders. <laughs> we did. Uh, John McLean, I'd seen Kirk him. McLean. Uh, Kirk, rather. John, the player. Uh, was pretty strong in that series with us against the Rangers. And the, again, I guess the feeling I had was he, he uh, wasn't as maybe on his game as, as he had been. And then we went out and got a plethora of goaltenders from... Yeah, he got traded to Carolina, Snow I think it was. and uh, Garth Snow and uh, Sean Burke and Arthur Zerbay and... Corey Hirsch. Corey Hirsch. Kevin Weeks. Kevin Weeks, so went on and on. And uh, trying to find a solution there with goaltending. Uh, uh, if 
again, there's, there's been a lot of criticism about Philadelphia until recently that they can't find a goalie. And, and then there's a big discussion where we, you know, what happened in Toronto and they, they uh, can't find a goalie, they find a goalie and then the, the, all the debacle of how important goalies are when you see the example of Carolina. So uh, bringing in a, a youngster from the Zamboni room <laughs> so, but uh, you know, they, yeah, we went through a lot of goaltenders there, and and uh, then off to Boston, and we we really got banged up in in that. We had Defoe was there as the number one, and he got hurt, and then uh, Scrudlin, uh, Peter Scrudra, Scrudra rather, yeah. uh, got hurt. So anyway, we went down. We went and got Ray Raycroft. Andrew Raycroft out of junior hockey. Yeah, John Graham and Kay Whitmore. And uh, Graham, I think, broke his ankle. And, and so they, like, it was like a nightmare. Yeah. And uh, we ended up tied for the last place position and lost it on a tiebreaker. But if we had a healthy goalie, we probably would have made the playoffs in Boston. And, again, your career. Was Defoe on number one? Defoe was pretty good, yeah. but he got hurt. Yeah, I think it was his knee was blown out, and then. Uh, but you brought up Raycroft out of junior. Out of junior, and and uh, he wasn't ready to play, for sure. But we needed a goalie, so he played for a little bit, and then, uh, uh, you know, Arthur Surbay and uh, uh, some of these guys remind me of their days with me when they see me. But uh, I saw him in Russia quite a bit, uh, but they. They they are a critical part of the team, and if there's a good example, maybe my career changes completely if we have a goalie and and we win, we get two more points somewhere along the line, and we're in the playoffs. But we didn't, and uh, I wasn't really fired. My contract expired, and, and uh, I guess that's one way of putting it. And they didn't resign me. Michael Connor, Michael Connell became the manager when Harry signed me. He said I might resign uh, and just move up the president's position and. He came down in February, and, and uh, once he said uh, he was going to do that, I said, oh, boy, I'm done here. But having a goalie would have maybe helped my cause a little bit. And you replaced Pat Burns. I did, and that was uh, – A good pal. Yeah, a good pal, and, and and I think Pat only coached about 10 games, and they made the change. So uh, that was a very unusual move at the time for experienced coach like Pat and a good coach. So I guess when you you look at seasons like those ones, and and maybe we could throw Florida into the mix as well to a certain extent, but I mean people nowadays with the salary cap, people are really getting. You've got goalies like Price, and then Bobrovsky signs with Florida and signs for a big number, but you got to have great goaltending. But it feels like you can't. The goalies can't make the big numbers to fit into the the overall the sal- package. Salary cap, yeah, and. Uh, Again, there's uh, so many variables involved in, in timing. You become a free agent, you're a top goalie, then you're going to get a job. But uh, otherwise, if if uh, if you're not in the mix or or you're in a situation that's you say Florida, for example, I tell the story about Lawago and moving him on, and then you're scrambling for a goalie as well. Um, you know, I go to uh, I go to Calgary and poor Kiprasov, he ends up playing 70-some-odd games. 76. Uh, uh, Jamie McLennan was our goaltending coach, and uh, 
uh, we really had to watch him. He wasn't a very big man. There were some men that could take a lot of like Grant's pretty big, big man, but Kippersoff was not, and uh, uh, he he was an important point part of it. Wasn't trophy winner and a big big role, and then that's why we brought Curtis Joseph back to help support uh, what we needed there in Calgary. So, uh, you know, uh, there's been a lot of, lot said about my handling of goaltenders and whether I liked them or not, but the fact of the matter is I had a lot of great goaltenders that either won the Vezin Trophy, won the Hart Trophies, or won the Conn Smythe, or won the Stanley Cup, in Mike Richter's case. So, and, and some really unique backup goalies like Chico Resch we mentioned as a real important mentor to, to Hextall as a young goalie. And having that balance and that mix is important. Uh, Grant Fuhrer, it didn't matter who was a backup. He was so uh, positioned. And talk about, we talked about some of the, the superstitions that like Grant would come in early, get completely dressed, 100%, with the exception of putting his face mask on and his gloves, and he would rock like this rock for like an hour before every game and that was his way of focusing on the game and getting himself ready very unusual and uh, all these different idiosyncrasies that they have uh, would come into play and and uh, <laughs> would you agree that like it was often said about Grant and we, we won cups he won Canada Cups and obviously in 87 pretty special player on a very special team but that he was the kind of guy that he could give up three or four a night, but that fifth one, yeah, he he, he would the say door. that he would say that he said, guys, I messed up, I let three in, but no more, that's it, the door's shut, and he would. I can tell a, a great story about Canada Cup '87 too, because we had pretty competitive group. Grant just won the Stanley Cup, and then we had Hexy, who had been in the finals. And then we had Kelly Rudy, who pretty good goalie, and we had a guy named Patrick Waugh. And he was a pretty good goalie too. So if we really evaluated on what went on in the training camp, the best goaltender in the training camp was Kelly Rudy. But I said to them, Grant is going to play, and if he messes up, then one of you will get a chance to play. So we're in Montreal, that's how smart I am. Patrick says, I said, is everybody okay with that? Because now we're still evaluating how we're going to make the team and select the team. And Patrick was very candid. He said, Mike, if I don't play, I'm not, I'm not staying here. I said, well, I guess you're going to have to go home because Grant has won the Stanley Cup. He deserves a chance to start. He said, that's not acceptable to me. I'm the best goalie. I said, well, Patrick, you have to go home. That was in Montreal. I couldn't wait to wait. We went somewhere else. West, yeah. yeah, so uh, so Serge wasn't Savard wasn't very happy with me, but I said Serge, Grant deserves the opportunity with this group, and it proved out that he was the main guy. He played every game and and was great for us. Yeah, and you get again, and then we got had, into the final six yeah, five games. And then, yeah, and then we had uh, Kelly and uh, Hexy as the backups. So you know. Uh, you had to pick one, and this probably isn't a fair question, but what the heck? Of all the goalies I had? Yeah. You know, you think I of Lindbergh, Hextall, Belfour, Hashik was before his time when you right. had him, but 
uh, Richter, uh, Fuhrer, maybe later in his career, but still obviously able to play pretty well. Kiprasov was a terrific goalie. Who, if you Luongo. had to pick Luongo as well, sorry, I forgot him. Um, I can't. I, know it wasn't, I can't. Pick I, one. I wouldn't put Bruce Racine on the list. Apparently, no, you don't put Bruce there, please. <laughs> uh, I you, could, I couldn't pick one over yeah. the other. They're all incredibly. Oh, there are good and, and incredibly important to the the team's success, and uh, all different personalities. I mean. The ones that ran the hottest were uh, Hexie and, and Eddie Balfour. Hexdog. Hot is in temper. Right. Yeah. Run the hottest. Yeah. And then the, the most athletic or the calmest, I would say, would be Grant. Like nothing phased him. Um, the most athletic, maybe maybe Mike Richter. You saw it, saw it on the Pavel Burry. Penalty shot. The penalty yeah. shot. So uh, it was interesting Different sizes, different temperaments, different personalities, uh, all very competitive, loved the position, as opposed to some goalies who hate. I know Glenn Hall didn't like goal, playing goal at all. He'd get sick before every game, but he was great at it. And uh, uh, Tony So who was, who was the strangest? The strangest. And we mean that in a in nice, nice way. way. Yeah, I, I would say uh, the most different would be Grant. I mean, he was Grant. I mean, So laid back. Just laid back and, oh, well, another game. Uh, you're playing against Grant. Okay, good. No problem. So a little bit uh, different uh, and all different in their preparation, too, in terms of how they want more shots, less shots. They don't want to go out for a morning skate. They want to go for the morning skate. They want to take all the shots in the morning skate. Uh, Grant used to come in the morning skate because he took practices off. So you had to get feel for the puck a little bit. Um, so th they all had their own uh, ways of, of maybe I tell you the story about Pelly Lindbergh and not taking his gear off. And, and uh, he was sort of nonchalant too, like, oh, well. So, um, but they were uh, tremendous athletes and, and uh, all very uh, competitive, all, and that's why you saw the reactions. Some didn't show any reaction, but it didn't mean that they weren't burning when I pulled them out. So it was, it was interesting to, to be involved with them. I went and spent some time with Kiprasov in Finland to build a relationship with them, hanging out in his sauna and jumping into the North Sea and uh getting to know him a little bit but uh uh they also had their moments uh off the ice too and uh, in different ways so um in what regard while they just all of them some were real quiet some of them were not so quiet some uh liked to go out and socialize others did not want to be around anybody there was one time i i can recall where eddie don't talk to him don't talk to him. Nobody. Just let him alone. He wants to think about what he's doing. And I told you about Grant Rockin. You could talk to him, but no, he wouldn't hear anybody. So it was like really a different uh, preparation for each of them. We should mention, because it was in the previous episode, that you explained that with all your goaltenders, the start of the year you would tell them, 
you're going to, you know, in certain cases, you're going to play a ton of games. I'm going to take you out of some games for a variety of reasons that energize the team. Maybe you're having a bad night, whatever. So time out, time out. Yeah. want to get after the referee, whatever. Yes. Yeah. So all those reasons. So it's not like you just were no, crazy I, by yourself. <laughs> there was, there was games, for example, that I, I can recall, um, trying to upset the opposition or making a change that surprised or putting the goalies in and out, in and out, in and out, all in one game. Uh, uh, the Gretzky story in the Stanley Cup finals where uh, I pull uh, Hexy and uh, put in Chico as the backup, and they're on a five-on-three. And I remember Wayne coming over to say to Glenn, what's, what's he doing, what's going on? They never got a shot on net because they were so preoccupied with the fact that I'd made that change that they they lost their concentration for a short period of time. They were five on three, like thirty seconds or something. But yeah. but uh, it was just a tactic that uh, I used, and, and um, uh, sometimes to get a extra attacker on. Of course, everybody does it at the end of a game, but I would do it in the middle of a game. Well, that's what I was going to ask what your philosophy was. When when did you feel well, and, just and judge I, it game by game? Game by game. Game by game. Read the situation. And and depends on the time and the score. So depend, if we're up or down or how things are going. The other thing is the schedule. For example, uh, I'd be playing Grant, and look at how many games he plays. So there were some games that we're going to lose the game. I take him out put in the backup because I know we're not going to win this game and he has to play the tomorrow night the next night I want him to get as much rest and not expose him I mean the poor guy played almost every game anyway so that was a way of rewarding him to a certain extent uh, Grant we don't have it tonight come on out get out of the, out of the fray and get a rest and you're going to play again tomorrow night and the schedule back-to-back games uh, was really important in terms of who you're going to have play and not play. So what's happened over the years that you don't see as often goalies playing back-to-back games? There's an attitude now that uh, they can't they can't take it. It's too much wear and tear, too much work. I never took that attitude, obviously. No. <laughs> and, the, and the players, I had to ask them, I said, would you like to play? Most of the games, they'd say, absolutely. And there was never a discussion about back-to-back games or uh, I'm going to be tired or anything of that nature at all. So there's an evaluation now. Maybe uh, they look at the travel and say, well, we can't play back-to-back or it's too much of a wear and tear. I, I don't know what the psyche of the goalies Today, our Vasilevsky, for example, I coached against him in Russia, and he was an outstanding. We played against his team, and we beat them in the playoffs. But outstanding goaltender, and he can play a lot of games, and he's young. So why wouldn't you play him? A great goalie, and he's a young guy. He's young. He can take it, and he wants to play. He wants, yeah. he wants to be in there, and he wants to be part of the solution. So, um, And some coaches like it, and some don't, so... It's up to the coach. To each his own, yeah. A couple of quickies before we wrap up. Mike Richter, should he be in the Hockey Hall of Fame? He should. He should be. Uh, uh, he wins one of the most important Stanley Cup victories in the history of the NHL. Uh, 
and uh, he did a super job for Team uh, USA, playing internationally. Uh, he has the credibility, uh, I think, to be classified as a Hall of Famer, but there's a lot of people that aren't in the Hall of Fame that should be. Yeah, that's for sure. And there's some that are in there that maybe are question marks. Right. And finally, you'd referenced um, the Zamboni goalie. Yes. Several weeks ago in, in Toronto. Um, the NHL had a lot of conversation, general managers, about whether that whole procedure of who emergency backup is, uh, whether or not there should be a, a certain protocol. What, what are your thoughts? In, th- in this case, it was a 42-year-old guy who probably got as far as junior B in that range. But he'd also practiced for eight years with the Toronto Marlies, three years with the Maple Leafs. So it wasn't like he was hadn't seen big-time shots, shots in, yes. his, in his time. Well, the bottom line is there should be a protocol for the integrity of the league uh, that they can come up with, that every team has to have a certain caliber of goaltender in the building, whether it's junior A up or NCAA or university up or or whatever minor league experience, something to that effect. Uh, and I'm sure that they will address it and they should address it and have a protocol in place that every team is required to meet. And that way, you, you know, it's a nice story. He wins and and uh, all the, the the hype that went with it, but it could have been a disaster too. And uh, the NHL is a professional league in four major professional sports in North America, and there should be some kind of protocol established. Okay. Um, well, we've had two great episodes on goaltenders and the stars that you've coached over the years. And uh, I think in, in tribute to the, all those great goaltenders to end this episode seven, I'm giving you the hook. Well, I'm done. <laughs> I'm out of here. You know something? You didn't even hurt my feelings. There you go. 